raise your game. This applies to video gamers, their skill and their uh, prowess getting to the next level, right? And in that application, it's all about our own efforts. How much time can you spend doing it? How many cheats can you learn? How much practice do you do? What can you do? How many hours can you spend at getting better at a certain game? Now, if you Google raise your game, you will come across self-help books, business consulting, and commercials for self-improvement. To drastically increase your performance and achievement, you'll be more successful and more significant. You'll learn high-performance secrets from the best of the best. That was one of the commercials I heard when I googled Raise Your Game. Now, there may be some value in some of those principles, but many of us are of the mindset, I can't raise my game. I don't have any more energy, or I wouldn't know how to. It takes way too much effort. All I say to you, I've got good news. Just leave it with Jesus. Just leave it with Jesus. Trust God to raise your game. Lean on him for whatever it is that you need. We are in week two of a sermon series called Through the Eyes of a Lion. And last weekend, our student ministries pastor, Justin, he introduced the series, and he filled us in on the fact that we're taking it from this book, Through the Eyes of a Lion, written by Levi Lusco. Now, Levi tragically lost his five-year-old daughter, Lenya, to an asthma attack. And Levi is an amazing writer, and he tells a very personal story in a very powerful way. They are a remarkable family, and I'm going to place this book in the church library for you to borrow anytime. And one of the points I took from this book was to take the long view, especially in light of all the sadness and tragedy in this world. Taking the long view helps us maintain some level of sanity and some level of hope. And this is where I want to get back to that jars of clay reference that we just sang about. The Bible encourages us to take the long view, to have eternity in mind, to bring our lives into focus by actually thinking about forever. And in that light, our physical bodies are just jars of clay. We were made from dust, and to dust we shall return. We are not our bodies. Our spirit, our personality, our very personhood, that's who we really are. And that resides within these jars of clay. One writer calls it a tent. And as we age, our tents wear out. My spirit and my personality, my personhood is young and vibrant and jubilant and can do cartwheels. <laughs> my tent, especially my knees and my back and my feet, and my, will not let me do cartwheels, this jar of clay. And honestly, that actually helps me take the long view. As Levi Lusco dealt with the pain of losing his daughter at such a young age, he was encouraged, he was reminded to take 
the long view. And he wrote this chapter entitled, No Inhalers in Heaven. Yeah, and he says this, I found the greatest comfort in 2 Corinthians 5. Tons of people bought us books about the afterlife and grief and mourning. Some were interesting, others were awful. In what Paul had to say to the Corinthians, I found something powerful I could sink my teeth into. And here it is. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has also given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we're always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well-pleased rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. And Levi wrote this, digging into these verses gave me strength and peace in ways I will never be able to articulate. Paul basically says that this life is a camping trip. And instead of canvas and poles, we're all camping in flesh and blood. But what goes up must come down. The more you use a tent, the more trashed it gets. And no camping trip can last forever. Eventually, the fire must be put out and the tent taken down. We all must break camp sooner or later. But, Paul insists, when that happens, all is not lost. When this tent dissolves, we have a house in the heavens. As agonizing and as painful as it can be, death is the ultimate upgrade for the believer. Moving from the tent into the home Jesus has been preparing for you. Levi was able to power up because of what the Spirit of God was doing in him as he read the Scriptures, because of what the Spirit of God was doing in him as he studied the Scriptures. And what we've been teaching this week is that God is the one who empowers you to raise your game. It is His grace, it is His strength and that our game is raised, that He pours into us, which is really good news. It means I don't have to do it on my own. And so I want to review the amazing truths that the kids learned this week. Now, of course, Jeremy did a great job sharing our bottom lines, and so uh, you're going to hear some of those again. On day one, they looked at Abram in the book of Genesis. It's around 2100 BC in Mesopotamia, and this is what happens. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. 
So Abram went, as the Lord had told him. And Lot, who was his nephew, went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Abram's game was raised because of what God would do. God would be the one to bless. Abram's part was just to follow through, just to walk in faith and to imagine something incredible even when it wasn't immediately apparent. He was required to take a long view. He strained to see into eternity. It's what Abram did, this 75-year-old man who imagined that all peoples on earth would be blessed through him. On day two, we imagined what it might be like if your kid became ruler. Yes, your kid, ruler of Brockville. Canada, the world. <laughs> and our inspiration came from 2 Kings chapter 22, where it says this, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. Imagine your kid ascending to the throne, or at least being your boss. For some of us, that's very easy to imagine, isn't it? <laughs> so from eight years old to 39 years old, Josiah ruled justly. Thank God for that. He was a good kid. And uh, let's see what he did in uh, the next chapter. Then the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. The king stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commands, statutes, and decrees with all his heart and all his soul, thus confirming the words of the covenant written in this book. And that was our bottom line on day two. You can know God through his word. Then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. And neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did with all his heart and all his soul and with all of his strength in accordance with all the law of Moses. I like this kid. He did well. Josiah took the long view. He had eternity in mind, even as a youngster. And that view shaped his life on earth so that he loved God with all of his heart and with all of his soul and with all of his strength. On day three, we jumped forward in history about 640 years to when Jesus walked this earth. And Jesus had a cousin, John, who had some insights that he would share with whoever would listen. We see this here. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And the bottom line on day three was Jesus came to save us from our sin. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize 
with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. And so Jesus' game got raised by John the Baptist's testimony, which was essentially that Jesus is the Son of God. Very major claim to be made. John the Baptist lived the long view. He had been baptizing people as a sign of repentance for their sins and in preparation for the coming king that they would recognize him. And everyone that he baptized was interested in eternity. They were interested as well as finding the Messiah to rescue them from the tyranny of Rome. Jesus is the way to power up. And on we learned that God raises our game by sending us his Holy Spirit to help us. Peter who was one of about 500 eyewitnesses to Christ's ascension into heaven, declared this. I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died, and he was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet, and he knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. And later Peter concluded this, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the promised Holy Spirit. So repentance symbolized by baptism was the precursor in John's day to um, seeing Jesus the Messiah. And now repentance and turning to Jesus as Lord since his death and resurrection is the precursor for believers to having the Holy Spirit in one's life. And that definitely raises our game. And it's, it's not on, on our own efforts. And this same Holy Spirit is the empowering force that we looked at on day five. The truth is this. The fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. I can try to be good or patient or kind, but I often find myself lacking. I don't know about you, but maybe you can relate. I raise my game when I submit to the Holy Spirit, and He gives me supernatural power to be kind when I might otherwise rip your face off, <laughs> for instance. You know. 
I am just trying to keep the long view in mind here, people. All right? Kids camp, they had a similar goal in mind, to help people think about eternity. Authors of books like this have the same goal in mind as well. Levi had a daughter, Lenya, and her nickname was Lenya Lion. He writes how she was like a lion in many ways. And for such a young soul, she already had this long view of heaven, already looking forward to forever in heaven. And so her dad said this, I wrote this book praying that God would use it to dilate the eyes of people's souls. When your eyes are dilated, your pupils open up bigger and more light can come in. That's what we need, to have light flood into our eyes so that we can see like a lion. Cats are six times more sensitive to light than humans. Their pupils are bigger and can be opened three times wider than humans. They have a reflective layer of cells behind the retina so that light bounces back and enhances night vision. They are also long-sighted and can see things far away in great detail. If we imagine having the eyes of a lion, we would see into eternity a little more clearly, perceiving eternity in greater detail. Take the long view. And filled with hope for when we lose this tent rather than fearing death. The writer of Ecclesiastes said this, God has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Eternity, it's part of our DNA. It's just that some people choose to perceive the long view. It's just that people choose to consider eternity and the long view more than others. Be that person. Be that person. I want to conclude with one more paragraph from Levi's book. It was the year before Lenya died, and this happened. One night, I was tucking four-year-old Lenya in, and she asked me, how do we get to heaven? Assuming that she was talking about our responsibility to accept the gift of eternal life, I responded, by believing in Jesus. And she said, no, how do we get there after we die? She clearly wanted specifics about the method of transportation, not just the mechanics of salvation. Well, this stopped me in my tracks. Well, God takes you, I managed. Like on a unicorn or on a horse? <laughs> she asked. I didn't know exactly what to say to that. It was too surprising and beautiful to hear her muse so seriously about transit between earth and eternity. No wonder Jesus said, you must become like a little one to enter the kingdom. Since I'd not come up with anything helpful, she thought about it for a second and then decided on an acceptable answer to her own question. Probably on a flying horse. 
she was clearly settled that this was, in fact, the only logical way the trip could be made. Be that person. Be that person who takes the long view, the forever view. Now, none of us have all the details, how it happens. But like Abram of old, or Josiah, the child king, or John the Baptist, or Peter, or Paul, or Lenya Lyon, all of these people throughout history, they lived faith. They employed faith. Follow their example. Amen? I'm going to ask you to uh, stand with me to pray. And then we're going to affirm our faith together in song. Pray with me. Father, I ask that you help us have a long view. That you give us glimpses into eternity. When we're nearsighted and focused only on the problems around us, remind us of eternity. If we're grieving, help us grieve well with the hope of forever in view. Thank you that you place your Holy Spirit, that wonderful treasure, in our frail jars of clay. We invite you into our lives to have complete control that we would be all that you have intended. Amen.